Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library of books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. This week's book of the week is The Real Valkyrie, The Hidden History of Viking Warrior Women by Nancy Marie Brown. And instead of doing a fancy cocktail, I am going to go with some fabulous mead, mandarin spice mead, uh, which was made by friends of mine. Shout out to Miles and Rachel, who are quite good at mead making. Uh, it's a solid traditionally Viking choice, and I just didn't want to go fancy today because I am you know, went TDY so that I could earn money, not spend it all buying more alcohol. So let's do this. This book hit my radar uh, not not too long after I panned the, the last book I wrote on Viking women and I was a little hesitant to jump into it because I mean, what if it was just as bad then I would have you know wasted my money again happily it was not so this book is about Burke Grave BJ 581 which was discovered in 1878 by archaeologist Hjalmar Stolpe now the grave was believed to be the grave of a Viking warrior, a tall man over six feet tall, buried in a saddle, which was assumed because of the presence of iron stirrups, and surrounded by swords, scramasax, axe, two shields, two spears, 25 arrows, uh, two horses, and a set of Hanafatoffel, which is Viking chess. God, I hope I said that right. Hanafatoffel, I think that's right. That's Viking chess, basically. And the presence of the weaponry in the chess set made this kind of a foregone conclusion. Body was definitely a Viking warrior, it had to be, because only men could be warriors, it had to be a man. And all of this was essentially just accepted fact, and this persisted until 2017 when DNA extracted from a tooth in the grave revealed the body contained therein was a woman. And the, uh, this neatly turned the concept of only men can be warriors on its head. Um, up until this point in history slash archaeology, the references to shield maids and warrior women in Scandinavian myth was seen as just that. It was a myth. It was a legend. There was no basis in fact. Now, there are several things that make this casual dismissal interesting. Uh, first off, literally everyone who studies the Poetic Edda, the Prose Edda, Saxo Grammaticus, and other sources will all readily admit that these sources were a, written several hundred years after the events they are portraying, essentially putting into writing stories that are purely an oral tradition. So there are no first-hand accounts from the time these ladies lived, unless you accept that oral tradition was handed down accurately, which is certainly possible, uh, because as, as uh, Brown points out in her book, part of the reason for the poetic meter being used is it makes it easier to memorize the story as it's told. Uh, for this reason, the Poetic Edda is actually seen as being more accurate than the Prose Edda. Now, another point, which is made peripherally throughout the book, is that why would women warriors be part of a mythic tradition, with Freya being a battle goddess and Valkyries being the choosers of the slain, if women were not actually, women in battle were not actually a thing in ancient Scandinavia? Uh, Brown also brings up how virtually every culture of the world over has a tradition of warrior, women warriors in their stories, as well as real-life, historical, traceable examples of women warriors. Yet for some reason, the concept of women going Viking is scandalous and ridiculous. Uh, Brown traces this written, traces this to two wildly separate and yet distinctly linked periods of time. First off, there is the writing of the sagas, 
written 300 years after the body of BJ 581 was interred. At the time the warrior woman was buried, Scandinavia was transitioning from pagan to Christian, and there's no real way of knowing which path she followed. However, given the presence of grave goods, it seems very likely that she was pagan. Uh, The Christians were in favor of a simple burial, not this vast ritualization. But by the time Snorri Sturluson wrote down his prose Edda, the Scandinavian countries had been fully Christianized. And Christianity had very strong opinions of what was a woman's place, and the battlefield was definitely not that place. Uh, In reading the prose Edda, the, the women who engage in, quote, masculine pastimes like warfare and leadership were seen as troublemakers. They were not good women to look up to, but they were harridans, they were witches, they were evil women meant to pull men off the path of righteousness and good. The other time period heavily involved in our modern view of Viking culture is the Victorian era. Now, quite a few graves were unearthed, pun not intended, during the Victorian era, and the Victorians were rigid about women's work. And since forensic osteology was not really a thing at that time, I mean, it was sort of, but not really, there's been vast improvements in medical science since then, Um, graves were basically sexed based on what was found in the graves. So weapons meant that it was a man's grave. Lots of jewelry or spinning or weaving tools meant that it was a woman's grave. And that's basically been how graves have been classified in the, what, 140 years since. So. Now, each chapter is laid out in the same format. Brown opens with a bit of fictional writing, uh, a reimagining of the life of BJ 581, who she calls Hervor in her, Hervor in her stories. Then she references her modern telling back to which of the sagas she is retelling. Then she dives into known history of the time, including the existence of queens who ruled unchallenged and other important women from the time who were known to have existed historically from multiple sources, not just the one. Uh, She is able to create a credible telling of known facts and builds a strong argument for the woman in BJ 581 having been an actual warrior and not just a person of high rank. Among the reasons for the arguments are other known graves and what is known of funerary rites among pagans. They were buried with what they would find useful in the other world. And this is a pretty consistent burial rite the world over up until Christianity took over. Um, That was the belief. You would take with you what you would find useful in the other world. And so if you were a warrior, you would be buried with weapons. If you were a spinner or a weaver, you would be buried with spinners and weavers. If you were a merchant, you might be buried with a set of scales. Um, And that's kind of borne out by two other very famous graves. The Ossiburg Burial Mound with its two queens had everything needed to weave tapestries and create textiles. The Gokstad ship, uh, which is also at the Viking Ship Museum in Oslo, was known to hold someone of importance despite the lack of weapons and was designated male because of the importance. Okay, the prominence takes a lot to, ships were very expensive and time consuming to build. You don't just bury them for the average man. So what can of worms did the DNA sexing of the tooth of BJ 581 open up? Well, it turns out you can learn quite a lot about a person from their teeth. Um, This is a direct quote from the book. edited sort of for brevity, but the chemistry of her teeth tells us she was not a native of Burka where she was buried. As teeth develop, they pick up isotopes of strontium, which mimics calcium from the local water. 
the strontium signature of a tooth will match that of the bedrock where the child lived when the tooth's enamel formed. Uh, her first molars, mineralized before she was three, revealed that she was born somewhere in the western part of the Viking world in what is now southern Sweden or Norway. Her second molars say she sailed from there before she was eight to somewhere else in the west. She did not arrive in Burka until she was over 16. So she was pretty well traveled for, for a kid, right? I mean, born somewhere in Norway or Sweden, traveled west at some point, and then came back east to Burka. Burka was kind of a crossroads to the eastern trade routes. Now, the location of the grave itself is equally telling. It has a high clear spot. It's a lookout post over the town of Burka. The few bones that remain say that she was well fed in her life. This says the preference for male over female children in ancient Scandinavia may not have been the foregone conclusion that modern interpretations assume it to be. Or uh, maybe she was an only child. Maybe it's entirely foregone. Maybe they did pref pre prefer male children over women children. This is something we're never going to know. We can only extrapolate based on what we find now. Only by obtaining more DNA from other excavated graves is going to unravel that mystery. I do think, given that Viking culture practiced infanticide to weed out the weak, and this was not an uncommon practice in warrior cultures, right? I mean, it's not just the Vikings who did this. The Spartans are famously known to have practiced infanticide. It's likely that girls were valued as much as boys, because otherwise we would see a, a dearth of women in Viking history at all, and that is simply not the case, um, which means if they were as valued as boys, they would have been just as well fed. So, and this would have had them growing up on the same high protein diet that the boys did and since viking was a profession I mean, that's something most people don't understand viking didn't just mean norse it was actually a profession any girl looking to follow a warrior's path would have had to do so from a young age all right it takes long years of study to become proficient in any skill and warrior is no different you don't just pick it up one day and say, I think I'm going to be a, be a sword fighter. You have to practice that again and again and again, or you're going to die the first time you go into battle. So if BJ581 had been proficient in anything other than weapons, she likely would have been buried with her needle and thread or a drop spindle, much like the ladies in Osseberg were buried. Indeed, testing of teeth from more than 100 different sites all over Europe spanning a 2,000-year period shows that Viking women were, quote, unusually strong, healthy, and tall compared to women elsewhere. So if Viking women routinely grew taller than men from other countries with a high-protein diet, which is known and peripherally addressed in this book, basically the grains they grew went into beer brewing, not bread making, then they also grew stronger than men from other countries, which would make them likely to be just as proficient in battle as men from other countries. That carbs versus protein diet has been debated for centuries, apparently. I don't know. Um, and the set of the Hanafatafel is also very interesting because that's a strategy game. All right. The, the presence of it means that this is something she likely used extensively in her life. It was an advanced set. It was a nine by nine square board with all the pieces intact and a dice set. And Hanafatafel isn't always played with dice. You get more... The more pieces there are, the more challenging the game becomes. So she was likely a very good strategist. And as anybody will tell you, you don't have to be a man to be a good strategist. Okay, anybody who's intellectually honest will tell you, you don't have to be a man to be a good strategist. Um, as much as what is found in the grave is, whoa, oh, I moved the, as much as what is found in the grave is what is not found in the grave. Um, 
the, the tortoise brooches, which are used to hold up the apron dresses of Viking women, were not in the grave. And this probably also helped contribute to the belief that the body contained therein was male. Uh, unlike the body and bones, leather and wood saddle, metal doesn't decay. I, I mean, it does give it enough time, but the, the biological matter decays where the metal would stay. No brooches were found. And so that, of course, makes them think, well, she, you know, the body found in the grave must be a man because there are, there's literally nothing in here that indicates it's a woman other than the body itself. For those of you wondering why they didn't sex it from like the pelvis, pelvic girdle or other aspects of the skull, it wasn't a complete skeleton. The, the soil where it was found is highly acidic, which contributes to the, to the rapid decay of the biological material. And so that's why we had to rely on this DNA testing to determine whether or not it was a man or a woman. Now, I love how the author addressed the bizarre belief held by modern day feminists that women are natural pacifists. And you'll, you'll, I see this all the time pop up on social media, the, this weird meme about if women ran everything, there would be no wars. We'd live in a peaceful world. But anybody who has ever studied any level of history ever can tell you that that is an entirely fallacious argument. There are lots of examples of women in power where war was the standard of the day and the women were leading the charge. So I can think of just two off the top of my head, very well-known Western leaders. Um, Elizabeth I, that whole Spanish Armada thing, that happened in her reign. She beat the shit out of them. And Catherine the Great. Yeah. So um, it's also that belief that had me, that, 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 you know, women weren't violent by nature, that had me panning the shit out of the last Viking women book so badly. Uh, the author in that book um, made the assumption that because she was dressed as a man and had a man's weapons, any woman who fought must have been transgender. And then she does some bizarre mental gymnastics about how they were trans when they were fighting, but then became women again. And I'm like, that's not how gender dysphoria works. Um, if you have gender dysphoria, then you identify as the other gender. You can ask, you know, Blair White, you can ask Buck Angel, they're trans, they've never wanted to go back to being their, their birth gender. It's just that's not how gender dysphoria works. So much as Brown decries our current interpretation of burial goods due to being seen through a handed down lens of 19th century Victorianism, this belief outraged me um, because I saw it as viewing, you know, thousand year old history through a 21st century lens of woke politically correct nonsense. Women have always been as equally capable of violence as men. I mean, the traditional weapon of women are like poison and tears, right? But there's nothing saying women are not equally capable of picking up a sword and hacking a man to death, except the Christian Victorian tradition saying that it was unwomanly. Oh no, not a womanly. Um, this book was comprehensive. She covers the breadth and scope of the Viking world from Iceland in the west, Kiev in the east, Norway, Sweden in the north, Spain, Baghdad in the south. She weaves together this tale based on known historical record of how the Vikings raided and traded their way to, to great wealth um, and, and not insignificant contributions were made by the women, okay? Contributions that have been erased by a thousand years of tradition of what was traditionally feminine and remain buried today based on what that same tradition and this bizarre layer of politically correct that strictly enforces those gender roles and have been assigned for a thousand years. 
Okay. All right. To be fair, that last bit about PC and forced gender roles is me taking another dig at the last book. <laughs> it was so bad. This book, however, was excellent. I uh, highly recommend it. It was entertaining. The author is scrupulously honest in when something is a known fact and when something is her interpretation, which I always appreciate in my history books. Um, and she's scrupulously honest. This is my interpretation. This is how I see things. We don't know this for sure, but we do know this for sure. And I'm frankly, I'm looking forward to reading others of her works, which I, I had purchased before this one. And then once I got it and put it into my library, I was like, oh, I already have some of her books. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading them. I, I'm not sure when I'll get to them. I have a large library, but I am going to. And uh, that's it for this week. Don't forget to share my video and I will see you guys next Sunday. Bye.